Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. If you join me in turning in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. Now, this is a, a short little epistle at the end of your Bible. It's not the Gospel of John, although it's the same writer who wrote the Gospel of John. It, a bit later, though, in his life when he'll write this. And later, after this, he'll be actually banished to the island of Patmos, where he'll write the last book we have in the Bible, the book of Revelation. But John is the disciple that, in the Gospels of John, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He would talk about himself, and some are like, why does this guy write third person about some guy? The disciple whom Jesus loved ran faster than Peter and got to the tomb, and, and arrived first. He was first. Just want to let everyone know I'm faster runner than Peter. But he didn't go in. He stayed outside until Peter got there. And then Peter, slow and steady, he went right on in, examined the cloth so that the Lord wasn't there. And then John got up the nerve and went in. So there's interesting things that the, the epistles tell us about this guy. But, but this thing that he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, writes this. When he's writing to folks about his faith, it's interesting that he knew he was loved by the Lord. Now, could all of us write the disciple whom Jesus loved? Says that, you know, we, we all could say that. But some people don't realize this, that we have a living God. A God that has come and he reveals himself to each person. I find it interesting how he meets each of us where we're at. He knows where we're at, what we're going through. He knows how to show us the things that we need for our faith to strengthen us. And to, to, in the Old Testament, he'll reveal himself as, to, well, Abraham will declare he's Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Or he'll be Jehovah Tsitkanu, in Hebrew that's God our righteousness. Or Jehovah Rapha, the one that, well, he's powerful and to be praised. There's, there's all these different revelations of the same God. He's the same God, but different aspects, different facets. And John, John saw something that is really interesting. He saw that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He knew it firsthand. He, remember at the Last Supper, where was he seated at the Last Supper? Yeah, he was the one leaning, it says, on Jesus's breast. He was that close to Jesus. In fact, he seems to be one of the gospel writers that really bears out this truth. And I want to show you this morning how this love, it was brought into this world by Jesus. And John describes it in such, he has a wonderful way, but let me show you this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, we read this. By this we know that we have come to know him. John is going to start to tell us how do we know the things what we know in our faith. And I am sure John must have pastored for a while because he's going to hit all of the questions we get as pastors. How do I know if I'm really no God? How, how do I know if I've come to know him? People ask that. They want to know, is this really real? How do I know he's really there? How do I know these different things? And, and John is going to answer a bunch of them in this chapter. But I'm going to show you this first one. How do we know we've come to know God? He says the answer right here, if we keep his commandments. 
It says, the one who says, I've come to know him, and he does not keep his commandments, it says, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. If you say you've come to know God, but you don't keep his commandments, sorry, I got news for you, you're lying. You have not come to know him. Verse 5 tells us, but whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Now, the one who says he abides in him, if you say, I hang out with the Lord, abide means to remain. I remain with Jesus. He's, he's with me. I'm with him. We're together all the time. If you claim to be a Christian and that you're really hanging out with the Lord, listen to what John says. You ought to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. You say that you're a Christian, John says, then you need to walk the walk. You can't just talk the talk. There's too many Christians in, especially, I hate to say it, but in Western Christianity, we have a lot of people that the Bible says pay lip service to God, but not heart service. Heart service leads you to putting your feet into the footsteps where, where do you, where do you want me to step, Lord? And Jesus said, I only do the things I see the Father do. I only say the things what I hear the Father saying. Wouldn't that be nice if we could do that? We only, how many times would I keep myself from getting in trouble if I would just do the things what Jesus did? This is John says, if you say you abide in Christ, then you need to walk like Jesus walked. You need to imitate him. Paul said that. Be an imitator of Christ. Well, actually he said, be an imitator of me as I'm an imitator of Christ. Boy, talk about some shoes to fill. By the way, if you want to grow in your faith, just turn to someone and say, just imitate me as I imitate Christ. You want to really see how good your faith is doing? Pick someone close to you and say, just copy me. I will set the example. I will follow Christ and you can just follow in my footsteps. How many of you would do that? By the way, it's a great spiritual check to find out if you're not doing something right. Because if you have some area of your life that you're participating in a sin, well, I want you to imitate me when I'm good on Sunday morning at church. And I want to, you know, you can imitate me when I go to Bible study on, you know, the midweek service. But, but the rest of the week, you might, especially late at night when I'm at home and no one's around and I, you know, I have some bad habits and you, you shouldn't imitate. No, I'm talking 24-7. Be an imitator of me, Paul said, as I am of Christ. He was willing to walk the walk. And John, not only did Paul teach this, John taught it. He said, if you say you abide in Christ, then you need to walk in the same manner that he walked. Walk the walk. Quit talking just the talk, but walk it. Show people. Now, he says in verse 7, Beloved, I am writing to you, he says, not a new commandment, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. And the old commandment is this, the word which you have heard. On the other hand, though, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in, and in you, because darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, the one who says that he is in the light and yet he hates his brother, well, he is in darkness until now. It says, and the one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. 
But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness, and he walks in darkness, and he does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is one of the things that John is really good at declaring in his, these, the first, second, and third John, all these three little epistles, tell us emphatically that God is light. How much darkness is in him? The scripture says there is no darkness in God. None. And John says, beloved, I'm writing to you a new command, kind of which is an old command, but it's like new. And why would he say that, by the way? Do you know? What was, what was the old, when Jesus was tested by that, that lawyer came and said, what's the greatest command of the law? And what was his answer? Jesus quotes from Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And then he said, and the second is like unto the first. Love your neighbor. You guys know this one. Some people call this the golden rule. Love your neighbor. As you, but, but see, Jesus didn't just say, love your neighbor as yourself was the fulfillment of the law. He said, first love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he said, the second command is like unto the first commandment. So the second part of this is love your neighbor as yourself. But it's like unto the first command, which is, what parts of me am I supposed to love God with? All my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. How am I supposed to love my neighbor? Like unto the first, right? So that means all my heart, all my mind, all my... See, some people say, Pastor, I'll love him with my mind, you know, but you don't really want me to get my strength. You mean you want me to get up and go help him? That's going to involve my body, and, and you know, I'm going to have to, oh, man, can't you just love them mentally from afar? They're not really that fun to be around, you know? And I said, no, it says, like unto the first. And the first is, love God with all of your being. This covers all the dimensions of you, heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's, the, that's your whole being, love God. But he says, Lo love your neighbor as yourself. And interestingly, if you turn to John's gospel, chapter 13, we'll just turn there with me real quick. John 13 and go to verse 34. Verse 34, it says, a new commandment, he says, I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, how did Jesus love us? Just mentally, right? He just said, I love you from afar. I don't really want to get close to you. No, he loved us with all his heart, all his mind, all his soul, and all his strength. He let his body be broken, beaten, bruised for us, right? He, he showed, I love you, and he said, no, no greater love has a man than this, that you lay down your life for your friends. And then he turned to them and said, and you, you are my friends. He was telling them, I'm going to lay down my life for you. Now, verse 35 of, of John 13 says, by this, love one another. By this love, it says, all men will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. You want to show people that you're really a follower of Jesus? You need to have love. You have to let that love come out. 
for one another. And our society is getting weird about just saying to a person, we love you in the love of the Lord. Just tell someone that you love them. By the way, we have a whole generation that is being kind of mind twisted by the world. The, the love that is being portrayed in the, in the movies and in the media, it's not this love, this pure love of God, which is a, an unconditional love. This is, I love you. I love you right where you're at. Now, true love loves a person and accepts them right where they are. But it loves them so much it doesn't say, oh, you're, maybe you find someone and they're, and they're, tra they're trapped. They're in, a, they're in a rut. They're in a hole. It, you say, I love them, but they're, they're really down. They got a tree laying on them. Love you, brother. See you later. That's not true love. You see your brother in, in a problem, what do you do? You go help him. True love loves so much that it cares about the person like, like you would care about your own self. What would you want someone to do for you if a tree had fallen on you? You'd want them to come and lift that thing, get me out of here. True love does that for that brother. You love them as you would love yourself. And Jesus says, when you love with that kind of love, all men know that you're his disciple. That proves that we really follow the Lord, that we have love. But John, when he writes 1 John, he said, if a brother hates somebody, he says he's not really walking in the light. He's walking in darkness. Darkness has blinded his eyes. Hate is a very blinding thing. Hate has this ability to make us behave very improperly towards others. Back to 1 John 2, 9. The one who says he's in the light, yet he hates his brother. John says he's in darkness until now. He actually isn't able to see clearly. And some of you may wonder this, and, and I know John had had some experience with pastoring people. I'm very, very sure of it. I have, and maybe some of you, have any of you run into a person who says they're a Christian, but they seem to be like spiritually blind or in the dark? And you're wondering, what is up, man? It's like they can't see anything. You talk to them about things of the Lord, they don't, I don't see that. You talk to them about a scripture that just beautifully spoke to your heart or that I don't see that. You're like, how can you just not see any of this? It's like you're blind. And I've come to understand that what John is saying here is very powerful. He's saying, if you have hate in your heart, it's like sitting in the dark. Here's the main point. If you walk in the light, you can see stuff, right? If you walk spiritually in the light, his light. But there are people who don't want to walk in his light. They walk instead in the dark, in hatred, in unforgiveness. It was handy because right next to me in my easy chair while I was teaching the kids was my remote. I have a couple remotes. I hate that I have this, you know, the one that goes to the Blu-ray, one that goes to the TV, one that... And the one that goes to the Blu-ray is the smallest of my remotes, and it's all black. And it has this propensity. When all the lights are all in the, in the room, and it's just the, the light from the television, and I want to change something using the Blu-ray zapper, I go, where did it go? That little bugger, it just 
it, it like, it hides. It like migrates into little cracks in the chair or, or down or falls down. And when the room is dark and you're looking for something that's black, you know how easy it is to spot? It doesn't work. You're like, where's, and finally, and of course, when I'm comfortable in the chair, I don't want to get up to turn on the light. But so many times I have groped around trying to find the thing. I can't find it anywhere. And I finally get up, turn on the light, and I look back. And darn it, that thing was where? Right next to my cheeks. Right there. That far away. And you think, how could you have missed it? It was right next to you. You understand what I'm saying? When, when you're in dark, the thing what you're looking for, the thing that it, it could be the thing you need, could be right next to you, and you don't see it. And by the way, this is a spiritual truth. When people are walking in hatred and unforgiveness, it's like they're spiritually, someone turned the lights out in the room. They got a little light. Yeah, I see there's a little light from the TV. But I can't see, I can't find the remote. I can't find, I can't find a verse to help me. Pastor, you say God shows you all these things from, from his scripture all the time. Well, how do you see that? And if I point it out to them, it's like pointing out, the, it's right there, there's a remote. They're like, oh, I see it now. Like when you point it out to them, they see it because you pointed it out. It's like you shined the spotlight on it. But they look at you like, how did you see that? And you know how we see it? We let go of hatred. We let go of unforgiveness. We let go. The Bible says, see to it that no even a root of bitterness springs up amongst you. Because what happens when a little root of bitterness springs up? It says, by it, how many are defiled? Many. When people get bitter, oh, it's, it's, it's got a bad contagion. It just spreads. One person's bitterness, they start telling other people, I don't like that. I don't like this. And pretty soon the bitterness just spreads. And it defiles many people. But I also see to it that that doesn't spring up among you. That little root. And <laughs> I remember this brother. He um, was at men's prayer one day and he was telling us, guys, I have sinned. We're like, what? He said, on the side of my house, there's a little strip. It was about three feet wide, I guess, down the fence line of his whole length of his house. He said, a couple weeks back, I, I had looked down the side of the house and I had noticed the weeds. There was a couple little weeds like this. Now, we're in Hawaii. So for those of you not from Hawaii, just to let you know, he lives up Mauka, which is up on the mountain. Regular rain every day. And regular rain and weeds in Hawaii in a perfect climate, what does it produce? Growth. And he came to men's prayer and says, guys, I, I should have gone out there. I had this feeling like I should go pull those weeds when they're small, when it's easy. But I left them. And now the weeds were up to his waist, he said. And in just three, three weeks' time, just had taken over the whole thing. And he, spent, he said it took, it took not, what, what would have been just a, an hour or so of pulling a weed here and there, he said, took an entire day. And it was like, mowing down Cambodia or something, you know, he just, he said it was just horrific. And the amount of damage he said it did to the soil, because well, you get a weed this tall on the top side, but well, how much roots does it have on the bottom? And so he'd pull on that thing and out would come a clump, big old clump, this big hanging on and all his dirt, which is so precious here in Hawaii, 
He's like, shaking the roots, come on. He said, it took forever to get all those weeds out of there. And he said, God spoke to him. Right then, he said, you remember that verse about see to it that if there's a root of bitterness that you take it out before it defiles many, before it spreads? Here's a physical example of what happens when you let the weed grow. And how much work extra is it to get rid of it now than if you would have just got rid of it when it was little? You would have plucked that thing out and said, you know what, I ain't going to let that hang in my heart. Bitterness does not do you any good. Even a little smidge of it has a really powerful effect, especially if given a little time and a little water. And that thing will spring up, and then it will not only defile the garden of your heart, it will defile the people around you. And John, the guy who understood God had revealed to him, he was loved by Jesus. The disciple whom Jesus loved, he wants to write to us, guys, I was there. I beheld him. I touched him. I heard him. My eyes saw this Lord. And I'm telling you, he came, he's the, now we're going to go on in this epistle. We'll see, he's going to say, God is light. But in his light, there is no darkness. And if we want to say we walk with him, we're abiding in him, then we got to walk in his light. And in his light, guys, we can't say, yeah, I hate that guy, but I'm, I'm walking with the Lord. You know, I'm totally in the light. No, you, you just dimmed, you grabbed the dimmer switch and turned it to halfway dark. And then if you hate a little more another person, it's like you just grabbed it and turned it a little darker. And pretty soon you'll be going to me, Pastor, I don't see those verses that you see till you point them out. To the people who walk in the light, they're coming and calling me going, hey, let me show you this verse I saw. I'm like, good. That's nice. Nice to have other guys walking in the light. Because John's going to point out, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, it says, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us continually of all sin. That's all the time we have for today's lesson. We'll pick up where we left off next week. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua-Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.